Is that your apartment? No, that's my neighbor's. I had him take pictures of me. It's very other. nice. <laughs> I like the inlay and the floor, and I love the wall color. I will make sure that I'll tell them that. And the French doors. Very nice. Yeah. I used to live in that apartment, actually. You used to live in it? Why, yeah, did, you, why did you leave? The one next door was nicer. Oh. Yeah. All right. So your like, apartment okay. is similar in style. Yes. Very nice. Yes, except I have a purple wall. Um, what color? What color purple? Uh, you'll just come over and I'll show you. Like a, a, I will. A, like a plum? No. I. How would I describe It's like not a grape. Amethyst. Amethyst? Uh, oh, aubergine. That's like living. No, it's not that. When it's I moved that. into the apartment I'm in now, it had aubergine walls. I felt like I was walking into a bruise. Really, it was awful. Not a good color. Where was this? But the apartment I'm in now. Oh, yikes. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know the actual thing. It's like a violet. It's I'll come pretty. over and I'll diagnose it for you. Okay, thank you. Hey, yum's the word. Haven't you heard? The yum's the word. It was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wetting the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people, too. This is for everyone. Except kids. Yum's the word. Hey everybody, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and at the top you heard fashion icon Tim Gunn talking about my favorite color, purple. I love how he took it so seriously, but more importantly, I cannot wait for him to come over. Seriously, wouldn't that be so much fun? (laughs) Anyway, we've got so much more from him in just a little bit. But first, let's talk about the 4th of July. Did you have a good holiday, Alex? I did, yeah. Yeah. What'd you do? It was great. Uh, I climbed up the fireworks and watched the fireworks. I played Frisbee in Prospect Park. Awesome. Was your dad with you for the fireworks? Uh, No, I had to uh, take him to the airport. Beforehand. Mm, That's okay. okay. We, we, uh, we partied all the You and your dad boosted up. Yep. Had uh, the kind of time that you can only have with your dad when you're closer to a decade out of living with your parents. Mm, <laughs> right, right, right. Got it. That's probably something that will never happen with my Would father. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like the most we'll do is just like eat a shit ton of ice cream and... Yeah, we'll never probably ever get drunk together. It's just not its not the Gelfenbein tradition. It's more like, let's eat until we feel disgusting. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> uh, well, I went to the Cape with my family. So this was my parents, my sisters, their kids, um, auntie, and Uncle Gary, also known as Father Gelfenbein, also known as Duty. And I drove Auntie up to the Cape. It's only like a two and a half or three hour drive there and back um, from Hartford, which is where I'm from. And the ride up was great. I printed out directions because Auntie and iPhones really should not ever meet, even though she has one. I don't know if you remember this, but she she talked about the iPhone. She loved the way it moved. Before she got one, she would always go, 
Oh, honey, I love the way that thing moves. It's so <laughs> sensual. <laughs> the thing is, now when she tries to use them, she can't. Like her, fi- I don't know what her fingers do, but she's constantly screwing it up. So I was like, I do not want to make her in charge of directions. So I didn't. Anyway, um, as you would expect, she had a ton of things to say. She's pretty opinionated, but she had some one-liners that I thought were particularly funny. Um, and had I not been driving, I probably could have written down like a slew more. But I just wanted to share a couple of moments that stood out to me. So one of the things she said, just, just the other night, we were listening to all, all kinds of music and having a dance party. Because that's what the Gelfenbeins do. We do. Uh, and it was, she said, so Whitney Houston's Saving All My Love For You was playing. Do you know that song? Okay. Well, you never know after the Patti LaBelle episode. <laughs> Running high! Okay. Anyway, so Saving All My Love For You is playing. And Auntie goes, oh, this is from my era. It's like, it's not even nowhere near your era, Auntie. And um, I don't have laundry in my building, so any chance I get to do laundry, I'll, I'll bring it with me on the trip. And they had it at this house where we were staying, so I did my laundry, and I had my underwear just drying on the washer and dryer. And she comes in, and she's like, Oh, your underwear is so pretty. I took some pictures. <laughs> I was like, thank God she is not on social media. Yeah, it was so weird. It was so weird. But my personal favorite was just as we were about to hit the road, I uh, went in to grab coffee. And I was like, Auntie, do you want anything? And she goes, honey, I want a lot of things in life. None of them are at Starbucks. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so that's Auntie. So anyway, but today we are going to do the third and final installment of our three-part series dedicated to the show featuring Tim Gunn. Now, if you missed the first two episodes, make sure to check them out because those stories are absolutely hilarious. First up is my dear friend, Danny Artis. Danny is a three-time Moth Story Slam winner who's appeared on Risk, Nights of Our Lives, and more. He also recently reread the entire Sweet Valley High series, which he chronicles on Tumblr at sweetvalleyhighagain.tumblr.com. This is his story about the unforgettable experience he had with well-known makeup artist Kevin O'Quan. Please welcome Danny Ortiz. Hello. All right, before I tell my story, can, can we just give another round of applause to Robin Gell from my... Thank you. Oh, I'm sneaking peeks. You've got some good words coming up for Mad Libs. Know your parts of speech, y'all. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right, so about 15 years ago, I discovered the most amazing book that I had ever seen. It was full of magic and transformation and illusions and basically wizardry. Um, I am talking, of course, about Making Faces by Kevin O'Quan. Um, the preeminent makeup artist in the 90s who did the makeup of every, uh, I will use the phrase, 90s famous woman, uh, from Gwyneth Paltrow to Naomi Campbell, from Tori Amos to Janet Jackson. All of them were in this book in amazing makeup looks that he had created for them uh, for various photo shoots, album shoots, and uh, album covers, and the, books, uh, the book itself. And um, I 
dove right in. On our eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C., while all of the other kids were spending their money at the Smithsonian gift shop, I was at the map counter buying eyeshadow. <laughs> and by high school, I was practicing on anyone and everyone, from my poor best friend to my grandma to, yes, my dates for school dances. And um, there was a, a woman at the prescriptives counter, uh, rest in peace prescriptives, um, <laughs> there was a, a woman at the uh, prescriptives counter who would, if the store wasn't busy at Nordstrom, she would let me bring a friend and we would recreate looks from the book together. And um, I was on a first name basis with the entire staff at the Mac store at South Coast Plaza, which was my local fancy mall growing up in Orange County, California. And um, they even gave me a uh, paid professional ID card, which was the discount card for professional makeup artists. Um, a, because I was there so much. Um, and B, because they had rules for how you got one. You had to have you know, credits uh, as a makeup artist. And so I brought in my uh, programs from the high school drama productions that credited me, and they let that slide. They probably were not supposed to, but they did, they did. Um, so anyway, on one of these trips to, uh, to Nordstrom, uh, they had signs uh, all around the store announcing an upcoming uh, book signing by Kevin O'Quan. And this was in the days before social media when we relied on face-to-face -face interaction. <laughs> and so, I know, I know. And so this was a chance to actually meet this man who had been so inspiring to me and started me on this sort of journey and a, a new passion and a new interest. And so there were a couple problems. One, I didn't drive yet. Um, and so I didn't know how I was going to get there. And two, it was a very busy day the following Friday because there was a football game at school. And as a member of my school's tall flag team, um, also known as the team who tosses flags in the air and marches around with the band during halftime shows at a football game, uh, I was required to attend every game. And, and so there was a very short window between after school and actually not only the game, but the pre-game potluck that the tall flag team had, where we dressed up in costumes. Um, and so I begged my parents to leave work early to take me to the mall to meet Kevin O'Quan. And um, I was so nervous that A, the line was going to be incredibly long, that I would have no time to talk to him, and B, that I would be so starstruck that I wouldn't be able to say anything, that I wrote a very long letter explaining to Kevin O'Quan what an inspiration he was, how much I appreciated his work, um, how much he meant to me, you know, the fact that he was this little gay boy in a small town trying to get out and follow his dreams in the big city, and that's exactly what I was gonna do. You know, his was the South, mine was Southern California, but like, it was close, it was close. And, um, and so when I got to the store, uh, while my dad waited in his pickup truck in the parking lot, um, my, my fears were very quickly revealed to be unfounded. One, because meeting a somewhat but not very well-known celebrity makeup artist at four o'clock on a Friday afternoon didn't exactly draw the longest line um, in the world. And two, you know how when you, you get nervous you kind of clam up sometimes? Well, I learned that I don't do that uh, at all. And so amidst all of my rambling, I wanted him to know that I was in fact of sound mind and body. So I reassured him, I said, I know what year it is. I know who the president is. Because I, I felt like in movies with the smelling salts, like that's the test, that's what they ask people. So I wanted him to know that I was okay. I was okay. And so he could not have been more gracious. We actually had a chance to have a conversation. He posed for pictures. Um, and he didn't just sign my book, he wrote me um, a message. 
uh, which I didn't have a chance to read until I was in my dad's truck on the way to the game. Um, and what he wrote was he said, I will remember you. You are so fucking cute. Call me when you turn 18, heartbreaker. <laughs> and, and his phone number, his, his cell phone number. Now, to be very clear, Heartbreaker, to me, is a term that you use for someone that you do think is cute, but that nothing is going to happen with. Most often, like, the baby in front of you at the grocery store checkout line, like, gonna be a heartbreaker. Like, it's not an actual thing you say to someone. So there was no actual, like, come on, it was just a nice thing to a nice boy that showed up at his book signing. Um, and so when I got home from the football game that night, um, there was a red light on our answering machine. And... When I pressed play, there was a message from him. Because in that letter, I had given him my phone number, my address, my AOL.com email address. <laughs> um, that was it. That was all there was at that time. But I wanted to make it so easy, like on the off chance that he would ever reach out. And little did I know that that very night, I would come home and there would be a message from him explaining that he had read my letter and it was the sweetest letter he had ever gotten. Um, and that he was going to be in the LA area through the weekend and that he would like to talk. And so I, of course ran to my room, grabbed my tape recorder, held it up to the answering machine, and recorded that message on an audio cassette. And then, um, still have it. And, uh, and then called in the next day, and nothing was gonna work out in terms of like going for a coffee or anything like that. But it wasn't just that we had such a good time actually meeting, he, he cared. Like he cared enough to reach out to me. Um, but I knew that he was a busy man. He was doing these photo shoots, and he was writing a column for Allure, and he was a busy, busy man, so I wasn't gonna actually abuse this number that he had given me, but I knew that whether, whether he was offering uh, you know, friendship or professional guidance or what, that when I moved to New York for college, I was going to call him. And um, let's see, then uh, the next year, I got another phone call from him. Like, I had left things alone. He called out of the blue, and he just wanted to see how I was doing, how was doing makeup going? Um, and also to read me a fax from Gwyneth Paltrow that she had sent him about her vagina. And, um, I know, a fax, right? Um, and so, <laughs> no, I, I wish that 16-year-old uh, Danny could appreciate a fax from Gwyneth Paltrow about her vagina the way that I could today. Um, that's like my one time machine regret. Uh, but, but nonetheless, we had this great conversation. Um, and so, at that point, I was so excited because the move to New York was imminent, and uh, my senior year, uh, early, early in May one day, uh, my friend Jill comes up to me in class, and this is while we're all amidst getting our college acceptance letters, deciding where we're gonna go, what we're gonna do. Um, she comes up to me and she said, I wanna see if you're doing okay, Danny. And I, I didn't, I was very confused, and, and she said, well, because of Kevin O'Quan. And I said, like, what are you talking, I didn't, I thought she was telling me some sort of a joke that I wasn't getting, because I tell a lot of jokes that people don't get, so I thought she was doing it back to me. And so as, as, as I was like looking at her, trying to figure out what she meant, um, I just saw this horror come over her face where she realized that she had just informed me of his passing. And he was 40 years old, and at this point I was three or four months from my planned move to New York. And when I did make the move, I did not bring making faces with me, uh, not, not with the phone number that I couldn't call. Uh, so I, I wrapped the book in paper and I put it in the back corner of the top shelf of my closet. And over the years, I've made plenty of visits home 
And you know, I've looked up at it occasionally, but not actually looked at it. Um, and on a recent visit home, my dad asked if I could go through the things in the closet because he was trying to prepare the house to sell. And so I went through drawers and threw away years worth of you know, photos and class projects and notes passed in class because I had to kind of look at them for not what they had meant to me at the time, but you know, any meaning they currently held. And I knew when I got to making faces that I needed to do the same thing. And so I, I took it off of the shelf and I, I didn't even take it out of its paper. And I, I put it in my suitcase and I brought a little bit of Kevin O'Quan back with me to New York. Thank you. That was Danny Artis. You can hear another one of Danny's stories on our recent podcast episode called Big Little Wins. You can also find Danny on Twitter at Dearest Alien, which I just learned is actually an anagram of his name. I didn't know that. I kept wondering what the hell does Dearest Alien mean? But have you ever done an anagram of your name, Alex? I haven't either. We should do that. What is it? Oh, it's when you just scramble the letters. I do know how to pronounce my name backwards because yeah, that was something nerdy we did growing up. How do you say yours? Excellent. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mine is, I haven't thought about this, Nibor Nib Neflag. <laughs> I like saying Nib Neflag. Uh, anyway, you know what else I know how to do? What do you know how to do? Tell a story. Oh. Do you? Well, I, I guess. <laughs> you do. I think most people do, but if you want to get better at telling stories or if your organization wants to learn how to tell a story or their own story, you can check out our Storytelling Fun 01 workshops. We've done them for all kinds of companies like City, PricewaterhouseCoopers, She's the First, which is an awesome nonprofit who we love, and more. And you can find all of the details about that on our site at... Yumsthewordshow.com. Go, Alex! Or go, Exile. How do you say your Exila. name? Exila. 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 I love that. Um, plus, this is so exciting. Do you know what is coming up on Sunday? Ice cream tour. That's right, because it is National Ice Cream Day, and it is the fourth annual Yum's the Word Ice Cream Tour. Woo. I know. It's so exciting. It is such a fun day. It's basically like a pub crawl. I chose three different places for us to go to, noon, 2.30, and 5, and just go on our site to find out where we're headed. You can come to one. You can come to three. What are the spots this year? Uh, Chinatown Ice Cream Factory. Okay. A place called Milk and Cream. Yep. And then Oddfellows has um, this carnival pop-up ice cream shop. Yeah, it's super cool. And so they have, like, cotton candy ice cream and they've got salted caramel popcorn ice cream that's pretty fun and apparently they have all kinds of like props like carnival props so we're gonna end there cool it's all down like lower east side chinatown so hope you guys can join us you can find all the details on our site at yumswordshow.com all right now the night that tim gone was on i cracked open a bottle of zima for the occasion natch isn't that what everybody does? Match. <laughs> and it was um, a special batch flown in for the evening, not the limited edition one that's out for the summer. I served it to all of the storytellers, like you do. Anyway, Danny and I were the first people to try it out that night, and here is what we thought. So, Danny. Yes. We've been working together on the show for a few years. Yes. And I thought, 
Tonight is a very special night, and it calls for a very special drink. So uh, Megan is going to bring it up for us right now. This was flown in, I am not exaggerating, this was flown in from China, and this is legit Zima. It still exists in China. So this is um, where the Zima was sourced. <laughs> it is called Heaven Supermarket, and apparently uh, it also says Mexican food. Um, Heaven is where Zima originated. <laughs> that is so true. Apparently, this place is neither a supermarket nor does it serve Mexican food, but uh, they do have Zima. So, and it's, it's like a bodega. So, uh, I'm going to be trying this for the first time in like, I don't know, 20 years? Is it a new batch or an original batch? <laughs> is, this, is this a vintage? <laughs> We're about to find out because you and I are going to taste it. Sure. I'm tempted to, but I'm serving this to all of our guests. Here you are. Are we, are we sharing or is it okay. No, we will. Tim, I think there's plenty there for you by the time we get to it. You there, do not want to take Tim Gunzima. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, L'chaim. All right, we'll see how this is. I still kind of like it. <laughs> I still have to try the Zima that was released this summer. Have you had it, Alex? I have never had Zima, and I don't plan on changing that. Oh. I have had a number of jokes about Zima. Mm -hmm. and I have used Zima for a number of punchlines, but... It's a great punchline. I'm not going to be the punchline. Oh. Listen, you do you, Alex. <laughs> you do you, Alexa. What's your name? Excella. Excella. <laughs> you do you. All right. She's drinking Zima right now. I am. <laughs> Chasing it with Smirnoff Ice. Oh, just, have you had that? Yeah, regrettably. Oh. Which flavor? Just straight up plain? Green apple. Oh, that's disgusting. I didn't like that. I like green apples. Aren't they all disgusting? I like the raspberry. It's so good. I, I realize I drink like a 16-year-old girl. Yeah. It's fine. I embrace it. Yeah. I don't like bourbon, whiskey, and that kind of stuff that much. So, I I do me. I always picture uh, Leslie Goshko when I say this, but live your truth. <laughs> I am. I'm totally embracing it. All right, next up is Tim Gunn. Tim is the Emmy Award-winning co-host of Project Runway, which is entering its 16th season on Lifetime. He's a New York Times bestselling author, the voice of Bailiwick on Sophia the First, the chair of the Department of Fashion Design at Parsons, and as you'll hear, an absolute riot. This is my interview with him where we talk about Irish goodbyes, why he gets nervous around Heidi Klum, and more. Plus, we wrap up the show with a very special duet. So pay close attention because you're going to hear Tim play first. Thank you for sharing those juicy stories. <laughs> I have many more. Well, <laughs> they don't really want me up here. <laughs> I'll come, I'd love to come back. I would. Yes! Yeah! 
this. When you and I spoke on the phone, we did. We did say that we probably could have our own show because we could, we talked for so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, even just meeting on the street, as you and I did twice. Right. So yeah. So I wanted to just give you the little like preface to that because I don't think you know part of this story. Um, so this was a couple of years ago. I was walking to Central Park, but I was running late, and so um, I zipped right by you, and and um, I I was like, oh. Oh, that was Tim Gunn. And I would like to point out that my first instinct when I see a celebrity is not to ask them to do the show. Um, it takes a couple Really? Things. I know. <laughs> and so I, I got to the park and I said, um, I said, I just saw Tim Gunn, but you know what? I said, I'll, I'll see him again. I said, I could have stopped, but I didn't want to be late, and I, I'll see him again. See, I never heard this story. Right. So the next morning, I went to the gym, schwitzed, and I went and bought some ice cream. So I had a bag of ice cream on this arm, because it was getting ready for the show. Bag of ice cream on this arm, bag of ice cream on this arm. I go into the food emporium um, early in the morning. May it rest in peace, it's not there anymore. Yes, yes. whatever this yeah. is. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and we both still miss it. Oh, yeah. Terribly. It's, and nothing's replaced it. Not, well, it's, really... it's going to be a, and, and I want to, won't even say it. It'll make me weep again. Oh, no. Is it a yeah. bank? No, it's going to be a subsidiary of Bed Bath & Beyond. Oh, like, we need I that. See. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm in the freezer aisle, and I get more ice cream. <laughs> and I am approaching... This, it's not, like, early in the morning, maybe, like, 8. And I'm approaching the register with ice cream on this arm, ice cream on this arm, more ice cream in front of me. And as I approach the register, who do I see? <laughs> and I was in my head, I'm like, get out of here, universe. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was. And so I get to checkout, and you said, oh, please go ahead. And I said, no, that's okay. And you said, you have frozen items. <laughs> and Robin was looking a little wacky. <laughs> go. <laughs> and I said, because I'm shameless, I'm actually making an ice cream cake. And you said, oh, do you use a mold? And I was like, I'm like oh, it's so a good like, question. It is a good question. And I in also, fact, do you? And I also thought somebody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> do you use a You must. I use a springform pan. Well, that's a mold. Yeah. It is. Yeah. True, true. So then we start, so then I said, oh, it's for the storytelling show that I host. Have you ever heard of the moth? And you said, have I heard of the moth? I've done the moth. And in my head, I'm like, jackpot. <laughs> and I said, I don't know if you, you know, if you have anything you'd like to promote. Or if, and you said, oh, I am just so busy right now. I said, oh, sorry, I don't mean to try to do your impersonation. But <laughs> whenever, I, whenever I've told this story, it's like, you have frozen items. Like, I'm like, I can't not do it. Um, and you had a lot of frozen items. I certainly did. I thought did. we're going to have a great big leaky mess all <laughs> over the food emporium. Yeah. So we start chatting. He tells me about the, or you tell me about the story that you told for the moth. And, uh, and, you know, you're really busy right now, but we're going to tell you a little bit more about the show. And the girl at the register is like, would you move it along, please? That's why the food emporium isn't there anymore. That's right. <laughs> so um, you said, you know, can I follow you online? Did I? Anyway, so it, it, we say goodbye. And then I saw you a few other times in the neighborhood. I did not approach you because I can play it cool. <laughs> And this is now like two years later, about uh, two months ago or so, I was leaving the gym, horribly disgusting, like hair is soaked. Like, I'm I nasty. don't remember any of that. I really appreciate that. 
Because I thought, you know, now that I'm having him on the show, I, I'm setting the bar so low for what I can look like. <laughs> this is wonderful. And then I stopped, and I, and I was like, oh. And I said, excuse me. And then because he's so lovely and gracious, he turned around, we chatted, talked about food emporium, and you said, yes, now I have to schlep to D'Agostino's. <laughs> it is a schlep, too, let me tell it you. Is, so. Anyway, so then we were reunited, and then this time you, yeah, you agreed. Yeah, here we are. So it's... I turned down a, t a kiss from Tim Gunn. So that was like the, the preamble to that story. So um, I so speaking of schlep, I wanted to test your Yiddish knowledge. Oh, dear. Because, you know, you heard auntie. Yes. So she's particularly Jewish. Um, and I wondered if you had a favorite Yiddish word. Well, there, I guess there, I suppose it's a phrase. Okay. I use oy vey all the time. Mm -hmm. Lots of occasions to use that. Many. Yes, especially after that Vogue story, oy. <laughs> um, I also wanted to know if you know what machen s arbit means. Machen s arbit? Is it from the periodical table? No, it's Yiddish. What does it mean? It means... Oh, does it really? Yeah. Oh, How, what does it look like? M-A-K, here, right there. Machen S. Arbit. Yeah, like we, we all need a Machen S. Arbit. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I'll it, use it, it on the show. I was going to say, wait. I will. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. I will. You guys, heard it here first, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> now... Are you known for doing an Irish goodbye or a Jewish goodbye? Does everybody know the difference? No. Okay. What? No. So let me, I have to see if I can get, I always have to, so same with Catholic, my uncle. Um, Catholics leave where Irish people leave and never say goodbye. Oh. Jews say goodbye and never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in between. So I guess I'm an Irish Jew. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so I know a lot of people are here to see you for... Oh, well, that's very lovely well, and flattering. Yes. And well, I'm here to see everybody who's here. That's great. Um, and there, I think a lot of people know you for this very important role that you have played in our pop culture. I speak, of course, of Bailiwick, um, Sophia the First. I love Bailiwick. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And I have two young nieces who are big fans of Sophia the First, and they had a couple of questions oh, for wonderful. you. So we're going to take a look at the first one, oh. which is Morgan on the screen. And, I, and for the, who listens to the podcast here? Thank you. There will be more of you later. Pa uh, Morgan is on, the podcast, is on the podcast quite a bit, oh, so now you get to see her. She's adorable. Thank you. What's it like being at the castle? Bailey what's real name Tim Gunn. And he's very well known in the fashion world. I'm going to ask if he likes your shirt. Does he like ice cream? I don't know. I hope so. He's coming out to your show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to meet the real bailiwick. <laughs> so she wanted to know what it's like in the castle. It's thrilling. Who wouldn't love a castle? That's right. There are more rooms than I can, than I, even I have been able to visit. Oh my goodness. 
And what did you think of her shirt? I think her shirt's adorable. It is. Yeah. It is. And so now we're going to go to um, my niece, Jenna, who's 10, and she has a couple of questions for you, too. Well, almost 10. Almost 10. How adorable they are. Thank you. Do you, um, do you like your job? Do you have brothers and sisters? Okay. I will find out for you. Thank you, Bye. 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 That's sweet. I love. I love my job. I mean, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I hope most of you know I was a teacher for 29 years. So this television stuff is. It all happened after I turned 50. Wow. So I'm always talking about life's serendipitous path. You never know where it may take you. Yeah. And I ha- do have a sibling. I have a sister. I have two sisters. They're right here. Those are That's, their. Those are their met. daughters. Ah, oh, adorable. Um. My sister is three years younger to the day. What? Wow. Yes. My, July I, 29th. July 29th. Yes. Morgan's is July 28th. Oh, that's right. You've been mentioned that's that. Right. Yeah. We talked about all kinds of things on the phone. I'm, I'm proud to say that I share my birthday not just with my sister, but with Deanna Vreeland, the great fashion editor. And I used to tell my faculty this all the time, Mussolini. <laughs> About say tone. Really? Yeah. Oh, we a couple of fascist communists here. <laughs> oh, and Ariana's Ariana's birthday. This is my yeah, it's right. Oh, you're kidding. My goddaughter. Any Kids other July 29th? Just say it. People are afraid. People are. I don't blame you. I'd be afraid too. Yes. Um, okay, so I'm not. I know you're a big fan of grammar. You were raised to speak properly and correctly. So I'm not going to insult you with a grammar quiz, but I thought you it might can. be... You well, can. It's done. not insulting. No, okay. Well, I, but I thought it might be fun if we diagram some sentences. Oh, dear God, I haven't <laughs> done that for years. Robin, I'm, I'm, Robin has this ability to reach so far back that all your brain cells in that period are gone. <laughs> because there are a couple of other things we're going to explore tonight That's right. that represent that. That's right. Oh, I haven't diagrammed it's, sentences forever, but I same. love doing it. Yeah. I loved it. Well, we live in the same neighborhood. Yeah. We'll, we'll get together and do it. We'll, we'll do it. But I wanted to know if there's anything that somebody says in, in this world, any grammar faux pas that drive you crazy, like just like nails on a chalkboard. Well, there's so many. <laughs> I try not to be too particular about who and whom, mm. though I notice. Naturally. Um, <laughs> What drives me the craziest is saying, um, I instead of me, or he instead of she, because when you say it incorrectly, I think that the the person speaking thinks that they're sounding well-informed and Mm -hmm. educated. In fact, you just want to say, go back to the SAT course. Yeah, I would agree. Yes, I I, I agree. I will tell you mine. Where are you at? Oh. I love being asked that question, though. Where's someone at? Because I have, a, I have a refrain, which is the following. I can't tell you where, she, I can't tell you where she's at, but I can tell you where she is. <laughs> You'd get along famously with my mother. <laughs> okay, let's go to his, that picture real quick. I'm sorry, you guys. How atrocious is that? What are you holding? It's the 1970s. An umbrella, of course. Oh, it looks like a baton. You, you never know. The sun's out, but it could go in. <laughs> Did you bring one tonight? 
Of course. Yeah. Okay. All right. And maybe that same umbrella. This is the gardens at Versailles. So when Tim sent me this uh, picture, you said that you are somebody's twin. Oh, um, oh, one second. Um, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty close. Very close, very close. So let's talk about Project Runway. What has been, you're going into 16 seasons. Yes. Can you believe it's lasted that long? I never dreamed there'd be a season two. And, and also, I was never intended to be on camera. I was a consultant. I mean, this all happened at the very last minute. And I thought I would be edited out of the show altogether because no one needed to see me. No one needed to hear me. Were you nervous when they wanted to switch your role from consultant? Oh, I was a wreck. And I still remember standing next to Heidi when we were reading the designers. And they kept saying, move over. And I thought they meant closer to her. No, further away. So I thought, I felt for sure, no, they're just going to have a camera on Heidi. But my knees were shaking so badly. It was like when I began teaching. My knees were shaking so badly, I was about to topple over into the Parsons Courtyard. So was I still get nervous with Heidi. Really? Yeah. Why? She's just, she's, she's lovely, she's a doll, I adore her. There's something otherworldly about her. There just is. Yeah. I, I'm in awe. Aw. I'm sure she feels the same way about it. I don't think so. <laughs> so, if you can, who has been your favorite designer over all of those seasons? Well, it's, I mean, in some ways it's hard to say because they're like my kids, and I'd like to say I love them all the same, but I don't. <laughs> But I, I will tell you this. I mean, everyone knows about Christian Siriano, who won season yeah. four. He's phenomenal, and he's could have been a diva, and it never happened, I'm so happy to say. I, if I had money to invest, I would invest it in the winner of season 13, Sean Kelly, um, the New Zealander. I, I just, I so profoundly believe in his future in this industry. And the fact that he has wonderful qualities of character and he's an extremely innovative and resourceful designer, I I think he has the whole package. And we'll see where he goes. Wow, I look forward to that. And which has been your favorite challenge? I know for me, no surprise, it's the candy one, which goes way back. I love that. that. Twizzler's dress. Yes. That was season four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's very nostalgic. Um, It's challenge one, season one. When we went, the designers all thought they were going to a high-end fabric store, and we went to Gristidi, speaking, well, stick with, <laughs> stick with the supermarket theme. Yeah, right. And I saw Austin Scarlett filling up his shopping cart with ears of corn, and I thought, what is going on? And it was one of the most spectacular looks in the history of the show. Yeah. He also, on top of the corn, he piled up bags of corn chips, and I asked him, what are those for? He said, it's for the van ride going back to the studio. (laughs) Smart. Yeah. Um, So I know they introduced the Tim Gunn save, which is an element of the show where you can swoop in and save one of the designers. It began with with season 12. Okay, so before they introduced that, is there... um, a, a designer who you would have wanted to save from way back before they introduced that? Well, actually, 
it was that act of really saving someone, or it ended up being a save that was the catalyst for the official save. Um, oh. Michelle Lesniak, season 11, was being eliminated. And I went running into the judges' circle, didn't tell anyone I was doing it, and I had a little filibuster. And I just said, you cannot do this. This is one of the most talented designers who's been on the show. You, you are making a huge error by eliminating her, and she needs another chance. And she got it. Um, and it was after that that the producers said, let's formalize this. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and I was, I'm happy to have it, though I wish I had a Tim Gunn go home. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would have used it season... 14 on Swapnil. You're hearing mixed reactions from yeah. the crowd. No. It's the only time I've ever lost my temper on camera on the show, um, and no one was ready for it, including me. I didn't know I was going to completely and totally lose it, but he pushed every single button in me. Anyway. Got to a breaking point. Yes, I bend and bend and bend until I snap. I'm and I snapped. Same, I'm the same yeah. way. Don't let a Robin or me snap. No, do not. So when I told people that I was going to have you on the show, I got so much, uh, such a huge response obvious, for obvious reasons, but also I was really blown away by how many people consider you such a mentor for them. Oh, such that's a, lovely. Yeah, and I'm Very and, flattered. Thank you. Well, it's, but it, it was across the board, and so I wondered if it was at all possible for you to take any of these 30 to 40 year old people under your wing to help guide them through life because they're all very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them, like one at a time, you know, adopt for like a week. I'll take that as a no. <laughs> a week? An hour? An hour. Half an hour? An hour. Okay. I don't think we can do, do much in, in half an hour. Probably not. No, but an hour or more, a lunch. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, but also, I, but I, what I want you to know, Robin, and for everyone to know, I'm, especially when it comes to fashion, I never make anyone into my dress-up doll. I don't believe in it. I believe in understanding who you are and how you want to present yourself and helping you do that. Um, otherwise, who are you? A mini me? I mean, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Right. So I pummel people with questions. I have a very uh, Socratic approach to, well, to life in general, but especially to fashion. And I believe profoundly in the semiotics of clothes. The clothes we wear send a message about how the world perceives us, mm -hmm. good, bad, or indifferent. And I, honest to God, I don't care how anyone dresses as long as each one of us accepts responsibility for what we're doing. Right. That's all that I ask. Just right. accept responsibility. Yeah. If you're walking around in a bare midriff in Midtown streets, accept responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. If you step on a nail in those slippers, yeah. nobody to blame but yourself. That's absolutely true. Exactly. exactly. So I want to ask you one last question before we move on to our little fun finale. Uh-oh. I want to... Well, you were no, telling... The uh-oh is about the fun finale. I, I, I don't know how much fun it's going to be. <laughs> Funny potential. Funny, well, by definition. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So I wanted, when we spoke the other day, you were telling me that you're working on a new book. So I wanted. I to am. Hear, I wanted to hear a little bit more about that. Well, 
it's a formidable project, I will say this. I, I wrote an op-ed piece for the Washington Post last fall about how this wacky fashion industry, and I'm talking about designers and retailers, seem to, to believe that women who are larger, who, who, well, who are larger than a size 12 just don't exist. And I find it befuddling and insulting and confounding. And I'm writing a book that expands on that and reaches back several thousand years to examine the, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this properly, the, um, the accepted, I'll call them norms of beauty because they have, they have morphed and evolved considerably. Um, and I just, I believe we're in a very unhealthy place in terms of the messages that we send to young people in particular um, about being 20 or 30 pounds underweight is a good thing and that you look great in your clothes. Well, you're more likely to look like a scarecrow um, and it's just not a good message to send. And we should be celebrating curves and we should be celebrating women of every size and shape. That's right. And That's right. every age, mm -hmm. every skin color, yes. everything. Absolutely. And it's just, it, it's just, I mean, and I'll go back to that wacky, crazy Vogue. They have their any size, any shape um, issue annually and it only goes up to a size 12. Really? <laughs> so unrealistic. Yeah. So when is this book coming out? Oh, not I, for a while. oh, not for a while. Oh, no, and there's a we'll ton of, of uh, photo research and permissions. Mm, and, sure. But I'm enjoying it. And it's quite an... What I love about writing is that I learn so much. It's a mm. serious education for me. And I've been spending a lot of time... Not that I don't anyway, but I've been spending a lot of time at the Metropolitan Museum looking at uh, the... Greek and um, Egyptian antiquities and, and images of women and, and bringing it forward. And it's fascinating mm. to see the feminine ideals and how they, they have evolved. I can only imagine. Yeah. And when is Project Runway back? I know you're going to start uh, we taping start, soon. Yes, we start taping in 10 days. It should start airing early to mid-August. It should. Yeah. I'm excited about it. We're excited as well. So Tim and I are going to wrap up with a little fun um, ditty. Well, I made the huge strategic error <laughs> of telling Robin that I studied the classical piano for 12 years. <laughs> but that was more than 40 years ago. So just like sentence diagramming, I haven't hit a keyboard in a long time. But you're about to now. I'm about to now. All right, let's do it. We're going to do it. Do it. <laughs> yep. All right. All right, this is very exciting. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Remember C chord? Yep.
yours. Look out. That was the one and only Tim Gunn. You can see his Napoleon Dynamite doppelganger picture on our Instagram at Yums the Word Show. You can also find Tim on Twitter and Instagram at Tim Gunn. And, of course, you can see him on the 16th season of Project Runway this August. Plus, you can hear his hilarious stories about Anna Wintour, Vogue, the one thing he saw in fashion that he will never forget, and more, all on our podcast. All right. Our next show is only a couple of weeks away. It is on Wednesday, July 26th at Le Poisson Rouge. And in honor of National Ice Cream Month, which is all month long, obviously, July is also National Hot Dog Month. One of my second faves. One of my second faves. My second fave. What am I talking about? Anyway, in honor of National Ice Cream Month, the theme of the night is 31 flavors. We've got Michelle Buteau, who you may know as the crazy girlfriend from Key and Peele, Josh Johnson from The Tonight Show, and more. You can get tickets and details for that on our site at yumsthewordshow.com. And mark your calendars, because our six-year anniversary show is on September 6th. We've got storyteller extraordinaire Adam Wade and many more to be announced. I cannot believe it has been six years. I can't even imagine. I have made so many ice cream cakes. Can't even can't even count. Anyway, uh, Alex, I think you'll agree. Last year's anniversary show was wicked fun. Remember, Peter Gross, Sandy Marks, yeah. Selena, Copic, Adam Lynn. It was tickety. Tickety tight. That's where arm spanks and peasant knees. Came That's right. Out, That's right. Another great episode of ours. Yeah. Good memory. Um, also, I got a kick-ass diorama. Do you remember that thing? Oh god, that thing was awesome. So cool. It was an ice cream cake diorama that had a wienermobile spinning on top, among other things. It was a beautiful, wonderful work of art. Thank you, Colin Willem. Anyway, we'll have more information about the six-year anniversary show coming up soon. But in the meantime, please save the date. Also, if you like what you hear on our podcast, please give us a quick rating and review on iTunes. It will help boost our rating and let others know about it. Here's a recent one we got. This podcast has the most engaging, endearing, exhilarating, emotional, and hysterical stories by the best of storytellers. Get your hefty dose of humanity in all its wonder from these episodes. It's pretty nice. That's awesome. It is. I like it. Thanks. I don't know how to say this person's name. Thanks, Prof. NYC. Pro F E NYC. Thank you, whoever you are. It means a lot to us. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who wrote some of the music. And the theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Special thanks to Matt Fiddler, Megan Deneen, Michael Cedar, Danny Ortiz, Carly Patron, Jen Waring, and Katie Riley. I'm Robin Gelfenbein. Thanks for listening. Hope you get a piece. Happy birthday, Tim Gunn. His birthday is on July 29th. And until next time. Mark and S. Arbit. Yeah, like we, we all need a Mark and S. Arbit. <laughs> Yum's the word.